welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina, Santa Barbara's number one podcast. And the reason it's number one is because I have incredible guests like my guest today. So honored and happy to be talking to uh, Ethan Bertrand, who is the newest member of the Galita School Board. And we're going to talk all about that. And Ethan's been doing so much great work in Isla Vista uh, for a while as well. And also as an employee of Santa Barbara County and Greg Hart. And uh, we're doing some great political work there. So I'm looking forward to talking to, to you today, Ethan, getting to know you better. Ethan, thanks so much. You have no idea. I'm so uh, honored that you choose to be a guest on my show. So so thank you. How are you doing today? Well, Josh, thank you. I'm doing well. Um, I'll say I'm a longtime listener, first time caller, <laughs> big fan of your work. So glad to join you today. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. So it's a really exciting time for you because you decided to run for the Goleta School District Board of Trustees. And essentially, you're you're you won. Uh, no one challenged you for that district election post, and so you'll be taking office in uh, January. I guess that's kind of a relief. You don't have to go through that whole campaign and everything that yeah. happens in a campaign. So, congratulations. Talk to me a little bit, a bit about this move and this position and what you plan to do. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Josh. I mean, first off, I'll say I'm grateful, I'm humbled, and I'm excited to get to work with the school district uh, starting in December. And I'll tell you about my decision to run. Um, it's been something that I've been working towards uh, for a long time. And fundamentally at the top, I'll just say that um, it's really based in part on my personal experience with education. Um, through my upbringing, I had a lot of challenges, um, but I also had a lot of support uh, that helped me succeed. And a big motivation for my candidacy and for my service is how I can pay that forward. Uh, so that's really motivating me. Uh, next up, I care a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And uh, as you know well, uh, that's something that's really important right now for our local schools, for our kids, and for our families. So I'm ready to be a champion uh, for that. Additionally, uh, my policy work over the past several years, I've focused a lot on serving some of our most vulnerable community members and populations. And that's looked like working on criminal justice reform and working really deep on community safety solutions, uh, working to address homelessness, working with people um, suffering from mental illness. And as I work on these policy areas, um, I hear over and over again that if you wanna make real change, you have to address the root causes. And to be honest with you, sometimes when I hear that, um, it's a bit of a cop-out, uh, no pun intended, but um, there is also truth to that. We need the whole continuum of care, the whole um, continuum of public services in our community uh, to be working to address root causes, um, to empower community members, um, to live their best lives, to be healthy, to be well, and to have success. Um, so that's also shaping uh, why I'm going in this direction with schools. Um, and finally, I'll mention that with the shift to district-based elections, uh, trustee area elections, Isla Vista has its own seat on the Goleta Union School Board uh, mm -hmm. for the first time. And um, I've served in public office in Isla Vista for the past seven years, and I'm really ready to hit the ground running on behalf of our youth, our families, and our whole community. Uh, so that's really what's shaping uh, my run for school board. It's great. I have a daughter who goes to Isla Vista Elementary. So I guess when I have a complaint, I'm going to come to you and you're going to take care of it. No. I'm going <laughs> we'll to have a, 
when I have praise for the district, I'll come to you and uh, I'll let yeah. you know about it too. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, talk to me, Ethan. You're you're. Uh, I'm going to be ageist here. You're a young guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're a little bit younger, I think, than most people who run for school board, Galita School Board. So talk to me a little bit about why this particular board is important to you. You obviously mentioned already the kinds of things you stand for and the kinds of things you believe in and what you want to focus on. But can you maybe talk about specifically what are the issues that the kids are facing that you think you can be useful with? And maybe talk about your own experience in the public school system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I look at our schools today, um, number one, as I mentioned, I want to be a voice for equity. Um, I want to make sure that every kid feels included, that they feel safe, that they feel valued, and that they have a place <laughs> in our schools. Um, next up, I recognize that kids have unique educational needs. Um, I know I did, my brothers did, uh, we still do. Um, and it's important that we are working to support kids um, to understand what drives them when they're learning and understand what they need to be successful. So having that individualized support is really important to me. Mm -hmm. um, additionally, we're coming out of the pandemic right now and I'm hearing from both teachers, uh, school staff, um, students and parents what that's like. And some people are doing very well. Um, some folks are having challenges, understandably. And it's really important that we're there to, uh, to support folks as we move past the pandemic and enter the new normal of, uh, of what education looks like. And in that regard, I'll mention in my work at the county, um, for about two years, we were really, COVID was it, what we were focusing on. My boss was the chair of the board of supervisors. We were working with school districts, with parents every day to support uh, going back to school and doing it safely. So those are some issues. Additionally, um, I really value the hardworking employees that we have in our local school system. As someone who is younger, as you mentioned, um, I, I've graduated from college here and um, I see a lot of my friends leave Santa Barbara right away. Um, and it's because it's so hard to get a good job here. And if you are lucky enough to get a job, it's still hard to afford the rent. Um, so with that in mind, I really, really value our workforce and I wanna be a champion for teachers um, and for staff to make sure that uh, they have the support uh, that they need to do well in the classroom for our kids, uh, but also that they're able to make a good living here. Great. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about your experience. Where where did you grow up? And, yeah. you know, you talk a lot about the importance of diversity and inclusion, and that's super important uh, to me in, in terms of my reporting and the type of issues I try to report on my own experience i've got a couple of kids in the public school system as well and there's so much that it's so important when you are somebody who's kind of experienced what it's like to not feel included to know what it's like to be marginalized and then when you're in a leadership position like you are to be able to recognize that and help break some of the systemic problems so I imagine, and you've alluded to it, that you sort of had an interesting upbringing yourself. Can you talk about, you know, Ethan in, as an elementary school student, as yeah. a junior high, high school student? Absolutely. Well, thanks. Thanks for that question. And I'll mention up front that in running for school board and taking this step, um, a big part of it has been owning my story. And mm -hmm. it's been an emotional process, um, a rewarding process. And 
uh, when I was getting ready to speak with you today, I honestly thought about, wow, what would young Ethan think about this today? Um, so I'll tell you about that. Um, I grew up in northern New Jersey um, in a very suburban area. Um, it was a, a good place to grow up, Morris County. Um, but uh, there were definitely some challenges. Um, I went to a school district that um, was well-resourced. Uh, we had great facilities, uh, great educational materials, um, good teachers, um, but there was no focus on equity at all. Um, and that was really tough when you're one of the only students of color in the whole school district. Um, and so my uh, twin brother and I, we were um, in the same grade. It was very common for us when we were in a class to be the only students of color in that class. And um, while in elementary school, that was not such an issue, um, as we grew older and entered adolescence, um, that's when things did change. And that's when people were, were um, acting out in ways that uh, were, were racist and where we discovered that the school had no way to respond to it um, and that there was really no focus on promoting equity. And that led me, Josh, from a young age to feel unsafe at school. Um, and and that, that was really, really challenging. And on top of that, um, I am a, a gay person. And growing up in, in a place that was pretty conservative and where um, I was already not feeling very uh, comfortable or safe in school, uh, that was super challenging as well. Um, and I really had to hide who I was. Um, and with that in mind, when I was in school, uh, it was very hard for me to be focused on success because I, I was just trying to get by and eventually my grades would reflect that. Um, fast forward a couple years, uh, when I was uh, in high school, um, my mom, Lori, um, unfortunately got sick with cancer and um, she fought a very courageous battle over several years. Um, and she passed away my junior year of high school. So during that time, uh, we were all just devastated. And um, I was going to school the whole throughout the whole process. But again, when I was in the classroom, I wasn't focused on uh, my math, my reading. Um, I did have an awesome music class, which that's like the one class where I was really engaged in and so appreciative of Mr. Postis, the music teacher. Um, but uh, in all my other classes, I fell behind. And that uh, looking back, I, I wish that um, there could have been a way for uh, me to get help as I went through that process so that, yeah, maybe my learning would look different, but uh, still understanding that I could have academic success even during this most challenging time in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, so that tells you a little bit about um, my academic experience. Uh, once I left uh, high school, or I'll back up a second, um, before I left high school, my senior year, I was uh, finally back on track. And what that looked like was I got the help from an amazing counselor um, in school, um, Ms. Maureen Montalbetti, um, who was someone that was just in my corner. And once she figured out that I was struggling, she was there for me every step of the way. Um, she was the first person I came out to as gay. Um, she was someone who um, was always checking on me to make sure uh, that I had what I needed but also someone who believed in me and who inspired in me that I could be successful in the classroom. So by senior year of high school, um, I found my place in the classroom again, and I was getting good grades and feeling inspired um, and excited for the future. And um, after a 
interesting turn of events. Uh, my twin brother, Dean, who's uh, an amazing surfer, he was convinced that it was time to move to California after high school. Mm. And uh, we came out to, uh, to visit California uh, on our spring break of our senior year. And um, at that time, we'd already applied to schools on the East Coast. Um, and it was too late to apply for, say, a UC or a CSU. Um, but to be honest with you, I definitely didn't have the grades for that, given the experience I just described. Mm-hmm. Um, but we found Santa Barbara City College, this amazing place. Um, and I listened to one of your other podcasts where you discussed that being a place where you really found your footing academically. And that was the case for me, too. I went from being a C and D student for most of my high school career to graduating with a 4.0 average straight A's and getting into Berkeley, UCLA and UCSB by the time I was done with City College. So having a place where I felt that uh, I could fit in, a place where equity was prioritized and a place where my teachers were challenging me, but also supporting me to reach high made all the difference. Yeah. Wow. There's so much there. That's an amazing success story and so much that you had to deal with. And then you found City College. And again, that's such a a savior for so many, so many people, such a great institution. And you have a twin brother. Wow. Yeah. That's that's its own story itself there. Yeah. There's three of us around here. So Dean and I were identical. And then we have Sean, who's uh, 21. So he's five years younger than us. He moved here to join us in Isla Vista about two and a half years ago. Oh. Um, and he he looks a lot like us. So uh, if you there's one person who you'll absolutely mistake for me, but there might be a third. <laughs> so so if I run into Dean and he ignores me in public, it's I shouldn't get offended. It's Dean, not you, right? I'm so glad you asked because that <laughs> happens every day at, on at least one of our sides. Oh, so really? that's, that's correct. <laughs> what does your brother do? Yeah, so Dean works in uh, tech sales. He uh, did the UCSB technology management program. He's super bright and he's doing just so well. Um, It's really exciting to see. And then our younger brother, Sean, uh, he goes to City College and he also launched his own digital marketing business and he's doing a great job. So we all really uh, push each other to to reach for, for our goals and support each other along the way. Oh, you're so lucky you have this family support system here, you know, all in the same area away from where you grew up. You know, you talk about um, sort of finding yourself and having uh, support and having a a counselor and people, teachers and people around you to to help you feel uh, included. And we know that there's so much focus on. Um, emotional uh, health these days. Did you have to deal with bullying growing up? Um, Did you have to deal with uh, the fact that um, it was a different time? You know, you're, you're, you're obviously younger than me, but you, the change that we're seeing has been pretty recent. Um, Probably when you were growing up, you had to deal with a lot of bullying and hatred and so how did you deal with that and what advice do you have for you know kids who might be in similar situations today yeah so there definitely was um a lot of bullying in the schools and it wasn't just directed at me but really anyone who um who was uh who was different um and and it was tough and while i 
I'll mention that in schools, I was never directly bullied for being gay, but that's because it wasn't safe for me to come out. Um, so maybe that's a form of bullying in itself, where there was this toxic environment where the only times people who were gay were uh, spoken about was if they were the butt of a joke or in some other disparaging fashion. Um, so that said, there, there was a lot of bullying. And um, I mean, obviously, it gets better. And that's a very important message to put out there. Um, but also, uh, we do need our schools to do more to be able to respond in a way that um, is, uh, is able to make a real difference and in intervention because for the kid who um, is having this bad experience at school, every day is so hard and um, they need adults in their corner who are going to make a real difference. Um, and making that difference really requires us to lean into these issues, to be vulnerable. Um, that's why I'm so inspired and so happy to see the racial equity programs that we have in our schools right now that obviously uh, were not there when, when I was in school across the country. I'm so inspired and happy to see that um, we're now talking about, well, certain people have different uh, sexualities or gender identities, and that's perfectly normal in a society where people are very different. Um, that wasn't the discussion when I was in school. So I think these uh, efforts really make a difference too, um, but it also underscores um, the importance of why I'm running right now, which is we see um, folks who are trying to roll back what I see as great improvements, what I see as programs that I would have benefited so much from as a kid. Um, Josh, right before I jumped on with you, I, I checked out a statistic and the Human Rights Campaign, one of the leading um, LGBT civil rights organizations in the country, commissioned a survey of LGBT youth um, in schools back in 2018. And they found that 70% of LGBT students felt worthless or hopeless. And you know what, I can tell you, I was one of those students. When I thought about what my future was, I trusted I had a future, but I didn't know what it looked like because uh, when I looked at the world as it was presented to me back then, mm -hmm. um, I didn't see how I was going to be able to be my true self. And getting past that, uh, unlocked a whole world of opportunities. And again, that was when I was in a place that actually promoted equity, Santa Barbara City College. Um, so that being said, like, uh, just to get back to your original question, we really need to lean into these underlying systemic issues uh, that lead to bullying and that sometimes lead to scenarios where we just let it pass um, or we just excuse that behavior as, oh, that's just kids being kids. Mm -hmm. uh, we can work together to make sure every kid feels included and uh, to also really uh, focus on healing when needed. That's great. Did you go to City College around the time Jonathan Abood was there? Or you, I don't know, you guys, he's a little older than you? Or how, what was that like? Yeah. So I went to City College back in um, 2014 to 2016. Okay. And so I uh, should have so taken I, a journalism I, class. Come on. I know I should have. But, <laughs> well, hey, maybe. Uh, you'll find me logged into one of your online classes one of these semesters. I, um, I, I need more enrollment, so think about <laughs> it. I got you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I moved here in 2014. Um, and uh, I'll tell you, it was a tough time to move here because it was right after the May 23rd uh, shooting mm. that took place and the mass murder. And I remember waking up uh, that morning. I was in New Jersey in my bedroom, turned on, the news and CNN pops up 
and I see Isla Vista, California, and the news of what had happened. And we were just so devastated and shocked because days or weeks before, we were in Isla Vista and we were visiting the place that would be our future home and we'd signed our lease and now seeing this community um, that's been devastated. And uh, at that moment, uh, I think there was absolutely a discussion amongst us, like, do we still go forward with the plan? We arrived at, yes, it's still the right plan. But when we got here, it was a tough time for the community. And um, I was eager to get involved. Public service has always been something really important to me. Um, and just community involvement, giving back, always something I've felt called to do. So when I got here, I just... Uh, went in different directions, trying to get to know different organizations and groups. Um, and I went to a church one Sunday and uh, there I met Congresswoman Lois Capps. And um, I thought, wow, a member of Congress, what's going on here? Um, and at that point, I didn't know much about uh, government or politics, um, but I was curious. And um, Lois Capps obviously is a very kind person and inspirational leader. And um, I met her campaign team as well. And they mentioned that they were recruiting interns. And I thought, huh, I don't know much about that, but I'll give it a try. Um, so I applied and um, I became a campaign intern for Lois Caps here in Isla Vista. And um, it was on that campaign where, A, I got just my introduction to politics, to campaigning, um, and to talking about the issues that really matter. And in that first election in 2014, we were talking a lot about um, gun safety legislation, which obviously we still have so much to do on. Uh, we were talking about LGBT equality. Uh, we were talking about a woman's right to choose, reproductive justice, um, which to be honest with you, at the time I thought absolutely we need to be working on this, but none of us expected that Roe v. Wade would be overturned just a few years later. Mm. Um, but that's to say I, I got to know these issues and to talk to community members about um, their feelings and uh, how they can use their um, their political interests and positions and opinions to make their voices heard and to make a difference. It was during that campaign where I met um, community organizers who were working uh, to create a, a local government for Isla Vista, what would be the Isla Vista Community Services District. Um, and that's when I met Darcel Elliott, Jonathan Abood, um, Ashley Cruzel, um, Das Williams, a bunch of folks who were working on this project. And uh, this was way outside of my wheelhouse at the time, but I, uh, I thought the meetings were cool and um, I really liked the people. And I uh, started going to the Tuesday night um, Isla Vista stakeholders meetings where we came together to talk about uh, the needs of the community and um, how we could possibly create a local government uh, that would meet those needs and that would increase services and representation for Isla Vista. Over about a year and a half, we worked together to um, come up with a, a framework and pass a bill in the legislature, Assembly Bill 3, and then go to the voters in November of 2016 to pass measures E, uh, measure E, which uh, created the Isla Vista Community Services District. Uh, we had measure F, which uh, was our first attempt at funding the district. Um, it narrowly uh, did not pass, but we passed measure R in 2018, uh, getting the funding. Um, and then the third thing that was on the ballot was the election of those of us who were running for office. Um, 
So that's when I was uh, running for the office that I was also campaigning to create. Uh, so there was a lot going on in 2016, uh, but we did it. And uh, on March 1st, 2017, uh, my colleagues and I on the inaugural board of the IB Community Services District came together um, and started our work. Uh, we came in with a strong mandate um, and responsibility to deliver, um, but little resources. Uh, but we worked with the university, um, local stakeholders, and then the voters in 2018 to get the resources we needed. Yeah. Um, six or five and a half years later, we're um, up and running with a number of great services, especially in the areas of public safety, um, operating the IB Community Center, uh, providing um, different services to address neighborhood quality of life issues um, and planning for the future of the community. So it's been a great ride um, and uh, I'm definitely really excited for the future there. Yeah, that's kind of a dream team of people you kind of found, you know, just through your networking and going to these meetings. That's so pretty cool. I worked for DOS for a couple of years or a little longer than that, actually. It was two different times. Yeah. Uh, and I I, I, uh, I walked for Lois Caps as well, uh, you know, door, door hangers and um, the canvassing. You know, when I when you work for DOS, you, you've got to do the work on the weekends. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I'm helping out with a little bit of the first time when, when the, the uh, district was approved and then the financing, I don't think was approved that first time and right. come back the next time and, and get it done. So I know it was a, it was a long fight. What is the, uh, how are things going in Ala Vista right now? What are the, the things that you're proud of in the terms of the successes you've had? And what are some of the things that you uh, are continuing to focus on here in the next few years? Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you about what I'm proud of. I mean, we've come together and created, uh, this government where now Isla Vista has local representatives that are focused on a broad range of services and um, policy areas that have everyday impacts on our quality of life. Um, for years, Isla Vista could just depend on um, officials that didn't live in Isla Vista to oversee a lot of these issue areas. Mm -hmm. And now we have more of this shared governance where we have community members who are stepping up to represent their neighbors and really uh, dig deep on these issues. So I think we've accomplished a culture where we have um, this system of caretakers, of people who are paying attention to the issues in Isla Vista, um, working to uh, resolve them, both with our local resources at IVCSD, but also working in collaboration with other stakeholders, be it UCSB, Santa Barbara City College, the county. So um, I think that's one big area that we've done really well. Uh, we have made safety improvements. Um, there's still so much work to do there, but two areas that we have had success. Um, we created the Isla Vista Safety Station program. It was our first program, uh, first service that we got up and running. And with that, we have um, community service officers out in the community during the school year on Friday and Saturday night. And they're there just to be a safety presence. They're non-sworn, unarmed officers um, employed by the UCSB Police Department. And we have them handing out water, helping people charge their phones, uh, providing escorts, and also just being a place where someone, if they have a concern or if they have an emergency situation, they can come to uh, one of the safety stations and get immediate help. And we found that there are times where students, young people, are not comfortable going to a police officer, but they are comfortable going to their peer. 
um, and getting help. And there have been a number of emergencies that um, have been able to be resolved as a result of this program. Um, additionally, on the safety side, we created um, in partnership with UCPD, the Isla Vista Interpersonal Violence um, Investigation and Prevention Program, where we contracted with UCPD for an investigator who would focus solely on um, issues of interpersonal violence and sexual assault. And um, as we know, college communities and college campuses throughout this country um, have huge issues um, with addressing issues of sexual violence. And uh, we really wanted Isla Vista to be a place where um, we did it right. And we worked with survivors of sexual assault, with advocates, and with just the community at large to put together this program where we could actually respond um, in a way that that really met the survivors' needs. Mm. Um, so those are some areas that we've done well with safety. Um, I'll tell you though, where I really wanna see us go on safety. Um, obviously on the weekend nights in Isla Vista, there are a lot of young people out having a good time. Um, and sometimes that involves people making bad decisions. And um, there are a lot of folks who uh, may be drinking more alcohol than their bodies can handle, experimenting with different drugs. And we get uh, people experiencing medical emergencies. Um, but traditionally, how we've responded to that is uh, just having sworn law enforcement officers um, being the points of contact. And I'm really interested in seeing over time how we can have more community service officer model or working with mental health clinicians, um, more EMTs to be the po first points of contact on those issues. Um, because right now, um, it can be pretty confrontational if you have a police officer approaching someone who's really in need of care in that moment. Not to say that law enforcement officers don't provide that, but uh, a lot of times that is uncomfortable for the community member and maybe for the law enforcement officer too. Yeah. So I'm interested in seeing how we can further um, use uh, non-sworn positions to respond to some of these quality of life and um, health issues. So that's that's safety. Uh, the other big issue is housing. Um, as you know, we have a huge housing shortage in this community, and it's really felt in Isla Vista. Um, every year, I'm nervous when I start looking at the listings for apartments to see just how uh, much the rent is rising. And um, people are packed in like sardines. There are a lot of quality of life issues. Um, we have a very old housing stock and some property management companies are really good about uh, responding to uh, and taking care of their properties. Others are not. Um, so there, there's a big issue there. Um, at the IVCSD, we have a rental housing mediation program that was set up similar to uh, the city of Santa Barbara's uh, program. Uh, I will say it's been a program that we had really high hopes for when we were creating the district. Um, it has been more underutilized, but there's a lot of potential for it to, to really take off. And we've seen increasing numbers of folks reaching out for help and getting assistance in this last year. Um, so a note there I would make as well is like when we created this district, we had a certain idea of how things would go. And um, as we've worked through it, we've really adapted um, and at times uh, changed course uh, to make sure we're best meeting the needs of the community. Um, one additional area that I'll mention is just like the community building side, which 
Um, the biggest challenge in Isla Vista, from my perspective, is that the whole community essentially turns over every four years. Um, people are here for a very short amount of time, um, and that makes it very difficult to make lasting change, um, to have continuity and leadership, um, and just to build relationships that are essential for a healthy community. Um, so a lot of what we're doing is working just to bring people together more. Uh, we opened the Isla Vista Community Center where we have a whole host of programs that people take advantage of from uh, homework help for kids, uh, some of whom were students at Ivy Elementary, um, to yoga classes, to salsa nights, to parenting workshops. Um, so having community spaces where people can gather. Um, that's just some of the work that we've done. Um, but what I'll close with on, on this question is, um, I'm really excited for the future of Isla Vista. What, what I appreciate the most is this is a place where people come to during uh, one of the most important times of their lives. It's a time where there's such hope, so many possibilities. People feel inspired. People are doing cool things. And um, how I look at it is I get to play a small part in trying to make those two, three, four years uh, the best they can be. Yeah, well said. Um, do you Thank ever you. think about how your life would be different had you gone to to Berkeley or, or UCLA, the, these other places that you could have, you could have transferred to? Um, good question. I don't think of it that much because mm -hmm. I really made a conscious decision to stay here. And it was, it was the right decision. Um, I'll tell you though, my dad asks me about that. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, I, I knew that this is where I wanted to be. Um, at the time I was already serving in public office as the director of the IV recreation and park district. I was working on Salute Carbajal's congressional campaign on his staff. Um, I thought, wow, I have so many opportunities here. I'm making a real difference. And I love it in this community. Um, so it was a an easy decision for me, um, though I am glad that I at least uh, looked around um, before uh, making my decision to stay here. Yeah. Well, it's impressive to see your public service heart because we know that you make less money when you work in government and you get some benefits. Uh, you know, the, some of the benefits can be better than the private sector, but you certainly can make a lot more out of college going to work in the private sector and just doing sort of the whole corporate thing. And everybody makes choices that, you know, are best for them, but to be a activist, to, to uh, be an, uh, an elected official, to, to seek your, career and your life in the same world where you're trying to make your community better is is admirable because most Thank people you. most people don't do that and most people are you know driven toward personal success you know and there's nothing wrong with that it's just choices you know that's not you can you talk about your parents and what they do and you, you maybe tie it into were they supportive of you when you were coming out and, and how did, how did they help shape you in terms of your, your activist heart? Yeah. Well, thank you for that question. And, and I'll say hi, dad, because I know uh, <laughs> my dad will be watching this as soon as it's published. Um, that's to say uh, my family is very supportive. Mm -hmm. And um, this also really ties into my drive for getting involved on the education side too. Um, my dad immigrated to this country um, when he was in his early 20s from Venezuela. He didn't speak any English. Uh, he came on a government scholarship uh, to attend New York University, NYU. 
Um, there he studied computer science um, and uh, he has an amazing story and he really um, was, uh, was blessed with this opportunity um, to, to get an education and to be able to thrive in a, in a career that was only made possible by completing that education. And um, that really impressed on us from a young age, my brothers and I, um, the importance of, uh, of education and uh, how essential it is that we apply ourselves um, and take advantage of, of every opportunity we get. Um, my mom, she was the first of her siblings born uh, here in the US. Um, her parents immigrated from England, from London. And uh, my mom uh, was a wonderful person, very creative. Um, she was an artist, uh, also a computer professional. Um, she started going to college, but um, ultimately ended up finishing more with a technical program. Um, though throughout her childhood, she did go back um, to take different classes um, at a community college as well. Um, and ultimately, uh, she, uh, she never finished um, the college side, but she ran a very successful um, IT business. Um, my dad works in IT as well. And it's uh, really inspiring to see just what she was able to accomplish. To be honest with you, I didn't um, appreciate just how much work my mom was doing when I was younger and how talented she was. But on a recent visit home, I was uh, looking at some of her old records and files and whoa, she was running a really cool business. Um, so I'm, I'm really inspired by my parents um, and uh, I never got to come out to my mom but I know she, she would have been very accepting and, and proud. And I definitely feel her with me uh, every, every day. Um, my dad was, uh, was very supportive too. Um, what I will say um, is when you are coming out, the first person you come out to is yourself. And uh, that's a hard process too. And I mean, I know I agonized over it. And that also um, helps us understand that as we come out to others, um, they might not get it right away. Um, and certainly that was the case with some of my experience, uh, but everyone stood in support uh, in time. And uh, I was really, really lucky uh, with that. One more thing I'll mention to you, just as far as um, my experience growing up, like um, I'm so grateful for, for a lot of things that did go really well. Um, for example, right now I look around our community and I speak with parents and I hear the concerns about childcare. Um, my brothers and I, we were all very fortunate. I mean, our parents worked very hard and they were able to put us in child care programs. Um, I want to make sure that those programs are accessible for everyone. Um, there were a lot of things that went well in school um, as far as having opportunity for the arts and music and, um, and some other uh, academic opportunities that I was able to take advantage of once I was back on track years later. Um, and I, I want to make sure that our local kids have opportunities for a lot of these enriching experiences um, that I did when I was a kid. Yeah. So I'm definitely um, very appreciative of, of my family, of my parents. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to, to pass, I guess, to pay it forward um, as I, I serve the youth and families of our community. Well, that's great. I think the, everyone's going to be real excited and lucky and appreciative they have somebody like you on the on the related school board in your experience Thank i want to ask you but you mentioned uh music a couple times and i remember i covered the labor day barbecue last year and i i remember you were singing i think you're you're playing guitar and singing. yeah and 
And uh, I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. And I was listening for a little while. I, I took a couple of pictures. I don't think we published them, but I had a couple of pictures of you doing that. So can you talk about your uh, your talent there and, you know, your interest and how that came about? Do you do you perform around town or is certain events or what's that all about? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so as I've come to realize, um, my brother, my twin brother, Dean, he's really the trendsetter. So um, he uh, went after music first and eventually I uh, I followed him there. Uh, the guitar was a huge uh, part of our our youth. Um, we uh, just would spend hours uh, playing music. And while I wasn't um, succeeding so much in the classroom for a couple of years, I was uh, really learning a lot of great music and guitar. Um, I'll tell you, I would spend... Uh, from the time I got home from school until bedtime, just playing my guitar. Um, and uh, so it's been a, a lifelong passion. Uh, and I, throughout high school, um, I would play with my band at my church. Uh, I started doing open mic nights. Then I started doing some restaurant gigs. Um, I played in some cover bands. Um, once I got out here, I uh, also joined the church band for a bit. Um, and I've played different events, weddings, um, and definitely something I love. I'll be honest, uh, one thing I've really been working on the past few years is having a better work-life balance. Um, so right now I'm reinvesting in my music a little bit as far as my time. Um, but it's been uh, it's been really meaningful. Do you have like a, a band or you just play, you know? These days name? I'm playing solo. But, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I like playing acoustic singer-songwriter stuff a lot. Um, but I can also enjoy playing harder electric guitar as well. Do you have certain artists whose songs you like to play or do your own? So I am, um, I have a very wide range, um, but I'll say that uh, these days I'm really, really into Jason Mraz. Um, and for a couple of years, I mean, he has just a number of albums that are just so cool. So many um, diverse songs on, on those albums, really meaningful um, messages, but the music's really intricate. So um, I would say when I think of artists who I like to play the most, uh, Jason Mraz would be one. He sings, is that I'm yours? Is that his big hit? Yes, but there's much he, more too. <laughs> that's the one I'm familiar with. Do you do any yeah. Ed Sheeran being uh Yeah, totally. A little bit of uh, uh, the, the England, the London, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, back to my childhood too. Um, I was a huge Led Zeppelin fan growing up. Um, and the other night I actually got to go see Robert Plant and oh. the band or Robert Plant and Alison Krauss at the mm -hmm. bowl um and it was so cool because I I spent just so many hours listening to Led Zeppelin growing up and um I remember when I was driving to high school senior year um, I had Led Zeppelin 2 and the radio player that was on repeat so yeah music was a huge part of my upbringing yeah that's great so that work-life balance is super important because you got to take care of yourself before you can go out there and change the world so you know it's yeah. super important that you're content and satisfied before you try to lead others so good work Absolutely. there I, I want to ask you too uh just going back to you at UCSB real quickly about the windowless dorm and that controversy I don't know if you're in a political position where you can take a stand or not but do you have any thoughts on one hand it's housing on the other hand it's no windows and I guess small so what, what do you have a perspective on that problem? Yeah, you know, um, it, it's an issue that I uh, I don't know if I'm in a position to really give my my strong opinion on. But I will say that 
obviously we need housing. Um, and we've been feeling this housing crunch for a long time. And it's, it's past time that, uh, that UCSB build that housing. Um, at the same time, uh, we need uh, all parties involved to really, really understand uh, the concerns that have been raised by the community as far as what the living experience is like. Um, so I'm all for uh, more housing uh, that also uh, fits the needs of our, our students. That's what I'll say. Have you seen the mock-up? I've not been there in person. Uh, my colleagues have. And uh, anyway, ask Jonathan and Spencer about it. They'll tell okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A couple of things, just going back to Galita, um, the achievement gap. Uh, we know that here we have a gap between white and um, Hispanic uh, students of color, African-American as well. Um, Galita is is a little bit better in terms of um, that gap. Um, there's the test scores. They're a little bit closer than Santa Barbara Unified. Uh, Galita is, you know, I don't know why they seem to address these issues, you know, a little bit differently. But um, do you have any thoughts? Like, how do we close that achievement gap? And obviously, students need to feel safe and respected and recognized. They need to be in a position that when they go into the classroom they can be successful. And there's all those implicit biases uh, mm -hmm. that teachers have, that the system has in terms of how do we reward students? Do we only reward those students who are the most vocal, the most active? Are we making sure we're calling on every student in the class? Uh, not, you know, we, we have to make sure we're not ignoring the quiet ones. And we're not just listening to the parents who advocate for their kids because a lot of students of color, their parents work multiple jobs and um, they don't play the political game the same way. Mm -hmm. What are some of your thoughts in terms of elevating students of color and those test scores? And then, of course, you hear these other parents who say, well, not at the expense of my kid, you know, and, and they, they won't say it that overtly, but they will imply that my student is going to suffer if there's a system-wide effort to help other students. And we know that's not true, but you know, you're going to have to deal with all these individuals right. very quickly. Uh, what are your thoughts on that topic? Yeah. Well, to start off, I'll say I'm really eager and excited to work with parents um, to dive into these issues. Um, and as far as like closing the, the achievement gap, um, I think that we're going to see a lot of um, a lot of improvements with some of the efforts right now to expand um, the services schools offer. And this looks like expanded preschool um, that we're going to see down the road. Students are doing better um, because we've made these opportunities more accessible to more students. Um, the programs such as uh, the, the free lunch and free breakfast, maybe even free supper that students are receiving where they're having their basic needs met. Um, I think those support services are so essential for improving um, classroom uh, success. Additionally, um, I think the social emotional learning that our students are doing right now with their teachers um, is huge. That's not something that existed when we were students. Um, in fact, right now, uh, I've been reading this book called Permission to Feel, and it's by the director of the Yale uh, Center for Emotional Intelligence. And, oh my gosh, I wish we had that type of um, instruction when we were in school. And I see that so important to 
um, not only preparing kids uh, to be successful and to be healthy, but also for helping them uh, do better in the classroom. But what I also want to mention is with my experience, there were times where I say wanted to pursue a, um, a harder class. Maybe it was an honors class and it was something of interest to me. And, um, and I didn't make the cut. And I went back to just uh, whatever the alternative was. And um, that was really tough. And I got to say that I think if I was given the opportunity to go into the harder class, like even though it was more challenging, um, it was something I was interested in and I would have worked harder and taken it seriously. Um, and I, I say that as an example of like when we look at students who are not doing as well and we look at students who are doing really well, there's also a group in, in the middle and it's all connected. Um, so I, I think that as we're, we're going forward, um, it's really looking at uh, the whole picture um, and understanding that if we're supporting students who aren't doing so well, that, that benefits everyone. Mm -hmm. um, a classroom is a community uh, and every student's uh, success or performance affects that of the others too. Mm -hmm. So um, while absolutely uh, we wanna make sure that students who are already doing really well uh, continue on uh, their trajectory, uh, I think that helping students who aren't doing so well and those in the middle is also very important. Yeah. It you're definitely correct there. And I think we do need to give students of color uh, opportunities for those higher classes to be in, in gate or whatever we're calling them, you know, in junior high and high school, um, because students who believe that they can achieve will achieve. And students who, students who are told um, not you're not ready. They're they're not going to be ready. It's a it's a reinforcing sort of mentality, and we need to have high standards. and And it's not about um, saying it's not about being nice. It's not about just right. saying it's okay. I think a lot of people misunderstand that it's about being nice and being making sure they feel safe, but also saying you're absolutely capable and 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 you need to believe in yourself. We know you do, and we're going to believe in you too. And we're going to put yeah. you in these classes and you'll probably be better than the other students because you've had to work twice as hard to get there. Right. You know? so, so that's a good uh, approach that, you know, you have. Um, Thank you. I wanted to uh, just, before we, we wrap up, um, Ethan, give you a couple minutes to talk about your time working with Greg Hart. Um, it's been, obviously you, we worked with him during the pandemic and, he was chair for the beginning there, the first year. And I know I was there watching, listening to so many of those meetings. And it was a really tough time because it was all new and everyone was so nervous and scared. And we didn't know how, at first we all sort of thought it was just going to pass in a couple of weeks, right. a month. And then it just kept getting worse and worse. And then it went away a little bit and then it came back. And and so you're right there in the eye of the storm with, with all of that politically. And I mean, I know people who work for electeds, they do so much work, you know, to electeds do a different kind of work, but you're the, you and Ashley and other people on that staff, you know, mm -hmm. you're the heart of that office. Um, you know, you, you know, um, you still there, um, right. the heart of that office. So can you talk about that period and what it's been like working for Greg Hart, who's now seeking um, office in the assembly? Yeah, well, thanks for that question. And like I said, hi to my dad and my family before. I'll say hi, Greg, as well. 
Um, he's so supportive and I'm so grateful um, for the opportunity to work with him. Um, he's been a great mentor to me and someone I, I greatly admire. Um, I've learned so much about government, but also uh, just how to, how to care for our community um, and a lot about just how to be a good person as well. So really grateful for Greg's example. Um, I want to say he's just a very thoughtful leader and he's someone who um, knows how to be effective. Um, I've learned about being pragmatic with him. Um, he really uh, looks to push the ball forward in, in all areas, but figure out how we can deliver while we're pursuing um, the long-term success that we want. So uh, as you mentioned, we worked a lot on COVID-19. Um, I remember those first press conferences where we thought, okay, uh, this is really scary, but it'll be over soon. And uh, boy, were we wrong. Um, but throughout that period, we really focused on communicating with the public. Um, and Greg did such, such a good job um, with that. We focused on also supporting our public health officials. As you know, um, in our community and uh, throughout the state, throughout the country, public health officials were under fire throughout the pandemic. Um, and our job was to stand with them and to support them uh, to make sure that they had the resources that they need, uh, that they needed, as well as the political support um, to uh, lead us through this pandemic. Um, so that was really important. But on the back end, we also had dozens of community members emailing and calling our office every day asking for help. And that might be people who uh, had fallen behind on their rent and needed immediate assistance. Um, sometimes it was teachers who were looking for guidance on how to keep their kids safe um, or letting us know about the challenges that they were facing with, uh, with remote learning. Um, sometimes we were hearing from business owners uh, that had to close down. And through all of this, we were working to connect those people with uh, the right folks and services that could help. Um, but during that time, we really came together as a team uh, to be there for our community, and I'm so grateful for it. Um, what I'll also mention is uh, on the Board of Supervisors, uh, Greg has really worked on a lot of tricky issues, and um, I'm so fortunate to have been given the opportunity to dive in. Um, we've done a lot on criminal justice reform and um, working to really push the ball forward. Um, we recognize that the way that our, not only our community, but just criminal justice system at large throughout this country, the ways that it's responded to harm um, have not been effective. And we've really focused on how can we respond to harm as a community that leaves everyone better off, that helps survivors and victims of crime, uh, but that also, while holding people accountable, uh, sets people up for future success for the safety of our community. And also recognizing just the ways that our criminal justice system um, is very inequitable when it comes to uh, issues of um, race and ethnicity, um, as well as socioeconomic status, and also um, mental health issues. You know, people who um, suffer from serious mental illness are disproportionately impacted by our justice system. So we've spent a lot of time um, in this area over the last three and a half years We've learned a lot. We've been able to work with county departments, um, especially the probation department and public defender's office, uh, Department of Behavioral Wellness, to move the ball forward. Um, so that's been really exciting. Um, we've also worked a lot on homelessness, um, 
as well as uh, working to protect our environment. So uh, in a nutshell, um, it's been an amazing experience working at the county. Um, I've been really proud to be a part of the county family and I'm really excited to see what's next. Well, great. And again, congratulations on your new role on the Goleta uh, School Board. And Thank you. You'll, you'll um, take office, I guess, in January, and it'll be the beginning of a whole new uh, part of your life. But it's uh, you're definitely inspiration to, to any young person who's seeking to make a difference in a community. Thank you so much. You're involved in all these different things. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what you're going to do the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, if this is how you started, who knows where you're going to be in a few years. So um, such a pleasure to be able to talk to you, Ethan. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Josh. And I really also want to plug uh, the candidates I'm supporting in this election for Goleta Schools, uh, Emily Zacharias and Rich Mayer. Um, I should have mentioned them earlier, but these are two educators um, who are going to be supportive of meeting the needs of all students and meeting their holistic needs. Uh, so between today and election day, while I don't have a race, I'll be spending my time working for them. Uh, thank you so much, Josh. All right. Thank you, Ethan.